Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Please stand. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. Let's see if I even make it to 25 minutes. You know what condition I'm in. Good morning, people. For those, I'm Steffi Compulsive Overeater. Hi. So I told Jack and Michael and Tony and John and anyone who would listen to me that I did not sleep last night. So why? Because I'm a compulsive overeater. Why? Because I think I had about 64 ounces of caffeine last night, yesterday. So the good news is from, as a compulsive overeater, I still wear the same clothes that I did 20 years ago. The bad news is apparently my behavior is no more normal than it was 27 years ago. And I called Carol. I texted Carol and said, could you please bring me some coffee? Um, Because now the headache from lack of caffeine has set in. So this is going to be an exciting pitch. Okay. Um, Most of you know me. I've been in the program since 1987, no, 86, and I think I got abstinent from uh, refined sugar in 1987. I'll talk about food in just a minute, but I'm going to actually talk about my, to my friends first rather than the newcomers. Sorry, bear with me. This has actually been the year that my program was really tested. I'm usually up here at Total Pollyanna. Um, and this year was difficult. Not that I ever thought about going to food. That's not the issue. Um, this is the year my mom passed away unexpectedly. My cousin, who's my age, got a very, very aggressive breast cancer that she is treating for right now. Um, my darling friend was a moron and almost killed himself. Um, work has been good, but phenomenally stressful. So it's been, it, I mean, food and eating more, it's amazing was actually not an option. Not that not an option. You actually lose your appetite. It's not that I did anything. When you're in real pain, I have found that now I actually lose my appetite. It's after the drama wears off that then you're like, oh, I'm going to make up for the five pounds I lost. (laughs) Nothing about that fundamental changing thinking changed. Um, But I didn't have to. So uh, in a way, this year I talk more to God on a minute by minute basis than ever before and I've actually found it to be almost a straight trajectory with every passing year I I talk to him more and I keep thinking I ought to be able to do this and I actually can do it a lot less so now I'm just like dude (laughs) you got to do this because I sure as hell don't know how to even show up the next 10 minutes so on that depressing note let's get down to food um I actually, my uh, compulsive overeating has always been around sugar. Um, I'm a sweets person, as you've all heard me say before. Could not give a rat's ass about regular pizza, pasta, bread. Aside from last night, last night it helped absorb the acid. Then, then it, bread was good. Um, so when I got here... I heard, um, I came here the days we were in the Lions Club. Yeah? Oh, God. 
and Doris and Jean were there, and they were these lovely, lovely, one's very strict, one very nice old ladies, um, who used to tell you how it's done. And I heard, can you just do something? And I started, and actually, it still hadn't sunk in until uh, this lovely friend walked up to me, and little did I know, she was only 90 days abstinent herself, so she was practicing on me. I thought she was a god at that point. She asked me what I ate, and I told her, oh, I just had, you know, sugar, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, do you think you cannot eat sugar for one day? And I said, no. And she said, okay, let's go to Irwan, and I'm going to show you some options that she can have instead of having chocolate and cookies and everything. And Erwan was a, I think it still is, a health food place on Beverly Drive. So we drove there, and she pointed out fruit juice, sweetened granola, and fruit juice, sweetened cookies and things to me. And she said, you could start with just saying no refined sugar. And, it, and I did. It served me well for a while. Um, so I started with no refined sugar. And... Um, For the first few years, it was uh, no refined sugar, but a pound of granola or one of those. (laughs) And I don't know if it's just age. I don't know if it's recovery. I really can't pontificate. But at one point, you would just wake up and you have one too many headaches and you just naturally don't want to do what you did before. That's you know what? That's the way it's always worked for me. I've never been able to resist even um, a cappuccino myself it's not that today I'm not going to do it I've always said um, now let me rephrase that if I make a commitment I don't um, I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place if I make a commitment it's not done lightly if I say tonight to my sponsor today I'm not going to eat X Y and Z I don't make it half-assed that's when I do sit on my hands and many sometimes I used to say I'm not going to have whatever sugar free thing and then I ended up having five of something else but I kept my but I kept my um, commitment so when I say that I've never been able to resist something with food I don't want it to sound like God does it all for me I have a very active part in this um, I don't drive some places that are particularly um, troublesome to me I um, since I got married sometimes my husband he's so sweet he um, keeps you know like a hunter gatherer he goes everywhere and finds me sugar free stuff and so I have to say thank you honey and then gently throw it away and um, (laughs) you know I still would eat sweets over anything other than this I think um so fundamentally, I haven't changed, but it is, it really is God doing to a great extent what I can't do for myself. But I absolutely am responsible for doing the part that I can do for myself. Um, and I've heard so many interpretations of that in the meeting. Some, I heard an AA speaker say, well, have you asked God to do what you think is up to do for you? And I didn't even know where to go with that one because if I were to think I have, I could just sit on my ass and ask him to do everything for me. That's where I, how I'd interpret that. But that's not how I've been taught my program. So I really, in anything, food, work, relationship, anything, um, I do the, as the, the thing that comes to my mind, 
And then the results are up to God. And of course, now I've learned that just because it comes to your mind, you don't have to do it. Sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, okay, so that's that. So I started my, pro- my journey with sugar-free stuff. And over the years, I, re- I actually i have said this always, and I'll continue to say this. I really, really encourage honesty with yourself about your food. Because on, I, re, I had never had an interest in gray sheet or three meals a day and nothing in between or no flour, no sugar. When things are not my problem, I don't gain anything by um, cutting them off. So just be honest with your stuff and with your sponsor. It really also helps with you being able to look yourself in the mirror. I don't think there's anything worse than not being able to look at yourself in the mirror. Nothing anyone can say to you hurts more than that. Um, 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 um. So, I started with sugar-free. Then, of course, oh, steps. I haven't even stopped, talked about the steps. Oh, my God. Ow. Um, steps, yes. You know, when I first read the big book and the steps as a compulsive reader in the 1980s, I read it and... I know that it's telling my story. I know that I can just substitute food for alcohol. I don't know how to explain it. I understood it. I related to it. But there were many parts of it that I thought, it's just trying to prove a point. It's illustrating something. It's not um, literal. Well, it can't be literal, first of all, because I'm talking about food and not alcohol. But I read the 12 and 12. I did my big, my 12 steps through AA's 12 and 12, and I still do. Um, big book and AA, I just read all of them, really related, really understood. But I thought so much of it is um, illustrative, metaphor. I can't even speak English anymore. But I didn't, I, I didn't take the words literally. And the older I get and the longer time I have in the program, the more I find that every single word, phrase, example very much applies to me. They're not metaphors. They're not trying to tell a story. They're, I mean, those words are used very, very deliberately especially in the first 186 pages, 96. No, right into through the beginning. 164. 164. See? Oh, my God. So I just gave you an extra 22 pages or something. Um, Also in in the 12 and 12, oh, my God. I think I could read step four 50 times. And in the beginning, I was like, yeah, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't steal. Um, Lust, this, that, these all don't apply to me. These are power-driven men in the 1930s. These really don't apply anymore. And let me tell you, every last one of those goddamn words applies to me. You just stay here long enough. You're going to see exactly how precisely they apply to you. Because as a compulsive reader, I came here thinking I'm very um, giving, I sacrifice for people all the time so that I take comfort in going home because they don't know I exist and I overeat. I really thought I was a sweet person um, who just did everything for all of my friends. And then really over time, I got to see how phenomenally selfish, self-centered, what's the third word? Selfish, self-seeking, thank you, whoever said that. I am, literally, 
Those words literally apply to me. And on a daily basis, what I have is um, faster ability to not go to my instinct. That's what I can say. Faster instinct to block my instinct from driving my action. So to the point that, I mean, at this point, I've been in LA longer than I have not been. Um, some things have become natural. Right now, when I see an overweight person, in the beginning when I came to OA, I used to say, why are they doing this to, you, to themselves? Don't they understand there's a solution? They're not responsible for that. They're not assuming responsibility for themselves. And now, literally, at a gut level, I, I just say, God bless them. And I am so happy. No one knows this conversation is going on, right, other than me. I like myself more. I like myself more. And that has payoff downstream. When I, if I like myself more, there is a greater probability that I'm not going to overeat or do something else inappropriate because you know, I really don't, don't want to stay away from, from um, therapy. But it all makes sense. Um, what else have I, can I say about Oh my God, I have 10 minutes. What can I talk about? Exercise. Let's talk about exercise. Yeah. So all of you who know me know that I'm an exercise fiend. It's not a part of the program. It's just been a part of my story. And this year, it has been very difficult for me because between my cousin having cancer, my mom passing away, and other things, I'm finding myself, I get on the treadmill or I get on the bike and I... Fifteen minutes into it, I say, I, what's the point? I really do. And it's very, very important to my program. You guys know, I'm just, those of you who know me, I have nervous energy that I need to expend somehow. I just need to purge it. Forget the calories. I need to purge the nervous energy. And it, it's very, very hard. And I think my mom's been gone for about four months now. And Shireen is probably... She's okay now. I'm coming out the other end. But it doesn't matter if I get Tom Clancy books, which usually keep me on the bike for two hours to like read the whole thing. It doesn't matter if I read the National Enquirer, the Fortune. It, it doesn't matter what I try to drive myself to keep me engaged. I can't because there's this feeling of what's the point. So then I have to say, okay, God, this tool... And it's my tool. It's not a program tool. Please don't anybody think I'm recommending that. This has just been a, this is my story. This thing that I've been doing for 26 years, on this 27th year, I can't find the point. So you got to help me, man, with the food. you got to help me with the mood. you got to help me with everything. And that's, and of course, when I say that, then we have a fire drill and I have to go up and down 27 floors. <laughs> Because we've engaged a new company and they forgot to open the doors as part of the exercise. So God answers me. Um, but it is. I mean, you guys are my friends. I have to be honest here. This has been, you know that this has been a tranquilizer, an equalizer, a crouch. I don't know what Bobby Earl used to call it. Whatever the hell it is, I've had it. And now I feel like I can't. I, I've, I, um, I go run a mile. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is boring. Now what? I go outside, look at scenery, oh, okay, seeing trees. It's, it's, I can't get it back yet, but I'm going to trust the process like I've trusted every other process. This is going to come back too. But I've never been in front of you guys 
as shaky as I am today. And it happened in my 27th year. And the good news is, um, I'm pretty sure I still wear the same clothes. The good news is that naturally, I don't feed the um, fear. Naturally, I don't feed the sadness. I have found tranquilizers, though. Oh, my God, are those things good. (laughs) Oof! I like those things, although not too many. Um, Really, not too many. If I'm going to sleep, yeah, because then they just really leave me groggy. Um, Okay, so I cannot say enough about the friends in the program. You all know how I feel about Terrell. He's been key this year, as he has every other year. I love my babies who send me um, their food, their actions for the day. That has absolutely been instrumental. Um, I don't come to too many OA meetings because I'm usually asleep on Saturdays and Sundays. But don't think I'm not working my program. I am every Sunday. I'm in AA Sundowners, and I hear a phenomenal speaker and um, remember something about the program that carries me. Uh, what was it? I heard something the other day. Some, guy, some lady said, we don't get to these programs at the long end of a winning streak. I really love that. We don't get to these programs at the long end of a winning streak. So um, I love the structure of this program. I personally still would be completely lost without it. Um, so if I'm not here, please don't think I'm not working it. I'm very much a member of this program, very actively, just not physically here, doing everything that it says. Because um, with every passing year, if the food, the, the disease is progressive, absolutely. Forget the food. It's not that every day I want to have more sweets with every passing year. I think to some extent the physical um, dependency is removed. But the thinking is, for me, has not been corrected. And I have to work the muscle that fights against it um, without too much engagement uh, on my part. If I just do a little bit a day, I find, you know, uh, what does the big book say? God doesn't make too many harsh turns with us or something. One of them says that. I don't have to do a whole heck of a lot to see uh, God come in, step in, and then some. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I don't do anything, it doesn't happen. So I want to be abundantly clear because I'm very big on action, no matter how small. You have to do a little little bit, no matter how little it is. My, our old sponsor, Natalie, when I was struggling with frozen yogurt, she said, okay, honey, why don't you just take a, a spoon off the top and dump it? And I would go and get these huge frozen yogurts, and, you know, the frozen yogurt was this much over the lid, I mean, the, the rim of the cup, and before I got in my car, I, would, I had no problem littering the streets. I would just take the biggest scoop I could and throw it on the floor. I did what my sponsor told me. And it gave me the ability to not hate the shit out of myself. And in the process, ever so slowly, frozen yogurt lost its grip on me. Okay, I'm really going to stop. You have to ask me questions. I'm sorry, guys. I haven't slept. I can't be too terribly proactive. Thank you. Okay, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. 
Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself, especially since we're being recorded. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question after it is asked. Oh, that's for me. Okay. Does anybody have a question for me? Yes. Did I initially find myself coming to OA? Well, thank you. Um, that goes to show you exactly how asleep I am because I usually tell that story. I think, um, well, I read a story in Cosmo magazine in 1980s describing the term overeaters, um, overeaters, compulsive overeating. And when I read it for the first time, I understood what I had been doing in college and high school. I found myself coming here, coincidentally, a friend of mine, um, so I knew what I was, but, and I had somehow heard the word, the name AA, and I know it was, it was a legitimate organization, but I just don't, don't remember why. Then I met a friend who was in AA, and they told me that they were going to a meeting, and I asked if they knew anything about overeaters, and was there a program for people like me, and she brought me in. But, the, but under, I had been anorexic in high school. I had been, oh, God, I really didn't tell my story. My God, jeez, I was a skinny child. I forgot to say all this stuff. I'm really out of it today. Um, I started overeating in my teens. So that's when the unusual behavior started. And then the term compulsive overeater and understanding what I was doing, I read in Cosmo magazine, and then a friend just brought me here. And it's history. Yes. Thank you so much, Debbie. You're welcome. Um, when you, what is your process? What's the most effective tool you have or you use for when you're for, uh, you're, you're trying to get from something you realize is an issue to something you want to uh, about, and then maybe take a commitment for, or when you get yourself to do the thing you think you can't do, give up a food, uh, change of behavior. Sure. Um, the part of my process is what is I think with women we just like to talk a lot so I don't have to work myself up to telling my sponsor something the, my very first step oh the question was how do I get myself to a, uh, what's my process for getting myself to do something my very first step is to tell my sponsor and sometimes very frequently she says so why is that a big deal you know, she says, why, why would you need to give that up? And why would you need to do that? So many, many times she actually helps diffuse a situation because I'm still fairly black and white. I need to not eat this because my pants are tight. I need to do this because I didn't go to the gym. And she says, why? So the, the first step. Now, after that, if we decide something is legitimately interfering with my life, usual six and seven, what is it doing for you? What is the opposite behavior to what it is doing for, um, of the character defect that you've identified? Can you exhibit that character? Can you exhibit the opposite just a little bit today? So six and seven is the structure that helps me not do it. But the food itself always starts by telling my sponsor. And many times she just laughs at me. Yes? So this year, what did you learn about compassion? 
Especially for your friend that you said try to <laughs> so this year, what did I learn about compassion? Especially for my friend who not very, not very something. Okay, um, <laughs> you're such a smartass, Terrell. That would be Terrell. Um, honestly, I think with everything that happened. Um, it's not so much compassion as it is I have no idea what's right for anyone that's what it really is and it started with my cousin Shireen how, you know, how could this happen to her so it hasn't gone to God how could you do this it is at she exercised she got mammograms she did everything right I don't know Maybe I just don't know. So it's, I, yeah, I just don't know. So I've stopped, yeah, I'm pretty damn opinionated. I've stopped saying a lot of things because I just really don't know in any area if two and two equals four. Just don't know. I hope that translates to compassion in a tangible way to people who are coming to contact with me. But I know that's what's going on inside of me. Just don't know. Yes. Thank you, Sophie. Um, I actually don't know the answer to this question, so I don't know what you're going to say. Okay. Well, particularly for the newcomer. Can you talk about your physical recovery? Sure. Um, for the newcomer, when I got here, I was probably 155 pounds. I think I'm, I go between 108 and 112 now. Um, I have been in this range for about 27 years. When I got here at 155, I was probably higher at some point. Not sure, because I think when I got here, I had already been in a car accident and I had already been in a hospital for a few days and I had already lost weight. So that's just what I remember. And also during my anorexia phase, I know that I was... So let's say my highest was probably at some point 160 and my lowest was probably 82. But that was just like a blip in the radar. It just makes me feel good to say I was anorexic at some point. But that's it. So that's, I came in at, let's say, 155, and I'm at 112 to 108 when I can exercise. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the weight loss. Okay? Now I'm hot. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, dear. Um, can you talk a little bit about life? You know, I'm going to be, ex- I may be controversial in saying this. I, when I first started in, in um, OA and still to this day, one of my favorite non-program approved books, let me just say it, is Chuck C's New Pair of Glasses. Um, I found that that talks to me a lot more. And in that book, it very specifically says, um, that he went to therapy and he was instructed to try to like himself and thank God he didn't have to like himself because if he wanted to wait till he liked himself he would die so he got to like himself in the process of doing things for other people I have found so that's my philosophy I can't comment I don't go to therapy I don't spend an awful lot of time on other tools to like myself my only um, spiritual training is with the 12 steps 
here, the way I get to liking myself is with things like today. Every iota of my body wants to be in bed, but it's not an option. So I have found, I, the longer I have done things where I have honored my word, I have been there for someone, and I'm, not, I'm also talking about work. I'm not just talking about 12 steps. I have a very, very stressful job. I'm at my desk from easily 7 a.m. to 5 or 6, and then go home and work some more. Remembering to not be catty at work. All of the things that come naturally to me. So for every thing that I now understand is behaving in the spirit of 12 steps, I say, okay, you've been a supportive wife, you're a good daughter, you're a good employee. Um, all around, I'm, I am the woman that, you know, I can respect myself. And for me, respect is very big. It's key to liking. The, the two kind of go hand in hand. I find it difficult to like someone or something if I don't respect them certainly extends to myself so if I do things that I respect in myself I back my way into liking myself and that's the way it works just for me there are others who are different yes you're welcome um, um, so you know you just recently lost your mom mm -hmm. I'm sorry for that thank you um, but your relationship with your mom oh my god Carol can tell you, okay, my relationship with my mom who passed away before and after. So, Carol can tell you how many years he heard me bitch about my mom coming from Iran. I'm like, oh my God, she's coming. Oh my God, she's coming. Oh my God, she's coming. What am I going to do? Um, so, my, um, I'm an only child. I was an only child. So, my mom was very, very loving and um, her whole life revolved around me. Yeah, a little too much. So um, my relationship with her absolutely improved as I got when I got married because number one, I could see a lot of things from her point of view as a wife, um, and I can see the things that she, um, you know, see her as a wife. And of course, a lot of her attention went to her son-in-law, so I could breathe a little easier. Um, yeah, trust me. For anyone who has an, who has a very smothering mother. You need a sudden uh, take some of the pressure off of you. Um, after, so I, I was, thank, you know, I'm 53 years old. I understand that I love her. I'm past the point of, um, oh, my mom did this, my, my dad did this, my mom did And you do that in your 20s. If you're really not here, you do it into your 30s. But already in my 40s, I was abundantly clear that I loved her, even though she irritated the crap out of me. I was clear how much I was like her, and I was actually clear in how many of the things that I um, judged in her actually were phenomenal. So, to answer your question, while she's here, she irritated the crap out of me, while she was. She, just because, you know, she'd say, you go to the gym, honey, you need it for your mental well-being. I don't want to be around you when you're not at the gym. And then I'd go and come back, and she's like, you have a guest here. What are you thinking, leaving me here all... I'm like... Wayne, is she insane? Did you see both sides of this? She's a typical Persian mom. But um, she was a typical Persian mom. But um, I find that I don't talk to her like you need to help me. I'm not comfortable doing that. Right now, I just ask her to make sure she's okay. 
Don't ask me about my mom anymore. This is what you're going to get. Okay. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. I'm very open. I'm very open. When I eat 50 egg whites and 50 heads of lettuce and yell at them, and, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, thank you. Force them to eat sugar-free cake for my birthday. Yeah, they know I'm in OA. They're like, so can we go out for drinks? Yes, we can go out for drinks. We just don't bring me a cake. Yes, yes. I'm very open about that. <laughs> oh, God, I'm hot. Sorry. Who else had a question? Yes. Sure. What else do I do? Oh, God. Well, um, I start by listening. It's probably the most difficult thing for me to do because I'd like to tell people what to do while they're talking to me. And I don't know if you're a compulsive overreader like me, but at any given time when you're in the middle of a conversation, even in the middle of a very complicated technical meeting, I find that my head is someplace else. I'm always having a second conversation. So the most important thing I can do to respect others is to actually listen. And that's really hard with your babies, let me tell you. But I try. Yeah, Terrell knows me. <laughs> he laughs at me because he knows me. Oh, apparently, I don't have any rubber band. Um, for, I take my work extremely seriously. I work, oh, thank you, God. I work in a big corporation. It's a very hard-driving corporation. It's the biggest of its kind in the entire world. It's very reputable. Um, and I look up to the people there. They're the best of the best in their field. And I try to match them without complaining and feeling sorry for myself. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. I think, you know, certainly, I don't know if it's, it's just compulsive readers or all 12-step people, but we just think we have a particular, you know, that's why it says uh, self-seeking and self-pity. Self-pity, oh my God. Oh, poor, poor me. I'm sleeping. Uh, I'm still sleep-deprived. Oh, I have a commute. Leave alone that someone much more senior than me drives from Capistrano every day. Yep, every day. Every day. And he's on time. So, um, <laughs> so, the, so being on time, listening, not gossiping. These are all, now, you know, I didn't get, I'm not this amazing um, clean as driven, clean as snow, whatever the expression is. This is all years Oh, thank you. Somebody give me kitty napkin. I'm not going to use it. It's too damn cute. Thank you, Carol. You're so sweet. Thank you, honey. Uh, oh, yeah, I am, aren't I? Okay. Um, listening, not gossiping, being on time are actions. They're very specific things that I have to, you know, you have to do something. And I'm good with things that you have to do. I'm not good with meditation and imagining. I'm very good with action. So I just shut up and then, or listen, okay, force myself to not read an email while somebody from the program is talking to me. Or somebody at work is talking to me about a topic. I really try hard not to multiprocess. 
Does that mean? Okay. So those, so those are the actions that I try to do to respect others. My husband. You know, it's so hard for me when he walks in to say, oh, my God, I'm not going to listen to Law and Order. And I have to listen to I know. Can you imagine? But I listen to him. So those are the three things that I have found that if I do, um, they're respectful of others. And then when I get a genuine appreciation from people, I... Um, my CEO, seriously, my firm is very reputable. My CEO came and hugged me when my mom passed away. Everyone was just shocked because he's just, he's not a touchy-feely kind of person at all. He's, he's, he's a very, he's a freaky, bright, gifted person. He's on, you know, Wall Street and being interviewed. And he just came up to me and hugged me in a very unnatural way. And, it's a, and it was just adorable. And it's because of the principles of this program, nothing else. It's the principles of this program that teach me what appropriate behavior is at work. Okay. Am I done, Michael? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Carol.